0: What is up, everybody? I am Roy Wood Jr. I am a correspondent for The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Welcome to Beyond the Scenes. This is a podcast where we journey deeper into the topics and issues that we've addressed on the show and explore them even more to see where we are today on these same issues. And we're going to do that with some of the show's writers and producers and special guests. You know how, like on the actual Daily Show, we do between the scenes. But see, now, We're going beyond, I'm gonna say it just like that every time, beyond the scenes. Uh, Today, we're gonna be talking about mental health in the black community. Now, this is a topic that we dealt with on the show back in December of 2019.
1: There are few groups who could stand to benefit from therapy more than black people. I mean, think about all the things black people have been through, slavery, segregation, winter, all (laughs) equally traumatic experiences, but unfortunately, even as therapy has become more mainstream, the black community has had a tough time getting the help that they need.
0: Now, I don't know if you heard, 2020 was a crazy year, all right? A little bit off. You know, you had the pandemic, we had the election, we had the uprisings that occurred after the murders of George Floyd, Ahmed Arbery, Breonna Taylor. It, 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 needless to say, we were a country that needed some therapy, especially black people. But see, in the black community, access to mental health care is lacking.
2: Black and Hispanic children are less likely to get mental health care than white kids. And studies show that irritability in the average white teenager is often labeled as depression. That same behavior is more likely to be seen as disruptive in black or Latino children, and doctors say that can lead to feelings of hopelessness at a very young age. We have a stigma in the black
0: community when it comes to dealing with mental health. Black students say where they come from, it's shameful to talk about anxiety, depression, and trauma. Making the crisis worse, not enough African-American therapists. Today, only 4% of psychologists are Black. It's a serious issue. And then having to talk to therapists who don't understand you, that can make matters even worse. Like, imagine wasting half your session explaining what "wiling out means. Like, you'd have to stop every 10 minutes talking to a white therapist to break down some of the damn mabonics. Or imagine how awkward it gets telling your white therapist that you're in therapy because of white people. Like, that'd be like the Roadrunner talking to another coyote about Wiley Coyote. I don't have time to break this down. The segment that we did on the show, that was only six and a half minutes. And there's a lot more to explore with this issue. And that's why we have to go beyond the scenes so to help me do that i'd like to bring in two wonderful wonderful people from the daily show i saw these people in the hallways numerous times before the shutdown first up i'd like to introduce ashton womack he is a producer and researcher for the daily show with trevor noah ashton good day to you sir from parts unknown wherever you are
1: what up roy it's gonna stay parts unknown because i don't trust nobody on the internet what up
0: you're literally on the internet right now talking to me, but that's okay. <laughs> the laugh you just heard is that of one of our many Emmy nominated writers on the Daily Show oh, staff. Lord. She is X Mayo X. What is happening?
2: Hello, Roy.
0: Now, it's my job to take this topic and kind of merge where you two came in because you both have different entry points, but you all are... Integral parts in how the show is created on the day to day. The best thing, the the best analogy I can give to these two for the listeners, um, you know, you have a producer researcher and you have a writer. The producer researcher, he goes and shops for the groceries. The writer is the chef. Is that analogy? Does that make sense at all? Does that even...
1: Yeah. yeah that's a great analogy It's a great, yeah. I bring the popcorn the apples the milk and then I tell her to make me a great and
2: I say what the fuck is this <laughs> you, gave me, five you gave me five dollars you gave me five
1: dollars what I'm am suppo- I
2: supposed to do with popcorn apples and milk
1: that's what I grew up on okay
0: yes <laughs> That sounds wild, but that's literally how the show is made. One person yeah. has an idea or an issue or a problem. Ashton will go to Trevor and the producers and go, hey, mental health, and the, the, the black people, and we need a hug, and nobody's hugging us. And the, the, the people that can give you a professional hug, you can't find... And then X goes, okay, I'll figure out a way to make that funny. You go sit down mm-hmm. somewhere and have yourself some milk and apples. Yeah. So Ashton, I'll start yeah. with you. So how did you settle on black mental health? I and mean, clearly the pitch was so good that we actually put it on the show so what what was what was your entry point into this topic?
1: uh the entry point was actually i wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna submit that idea at all i had i had my packet was already done I was at the end of my packet, and I was looking at it and i it was it was a topic that's been in my head, and I was looking at the topics I was talking about and I was like if I'm gonna submit a packet i'm gonna talk about something I'm not gonna talk about what everybody's not necessarily what everybody's talking about but i'm gonna put my flavor on it. What is something that's deeply inside of me that I want to talk about? And that is mental health issues is like, I don't want to say mental health issues is something I had to overcome. I think that's something many people, everyone in this country faces, everybody on the planet faces uh, mental health issues. And that was something for me that kind of really helped define my adulthood uh, was battling, um, just battling trying to stay mentally healthy. No one teaches you how to you learn how to do push-ups? You learn how to uh, eat right, but no one tells you how to keep your brain your brain right. How to keep positive thoughts, or how to seeing where the source of your problems were. So, like, I I had a personal, a very personal uh, encounter with dealing with uh, uh, running up against the problems of trying to find therapy and a mental mm-hmm. health. Uh, not just advocates, but someone who could help me get out of the dark hole and de- de- beat depression. Depression, and uh, you know, it, I found in when battling my own depression that in our own community we have certain stigmas. We have it, there's a lot of roadblocks in battling depression. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, depre- I grew up; it, it was a, depression is a joke. Like depression, black people go through so much. You got depression, and so it used to be a punchline to me, and now I unfortunately ran into the actual ramifications of uh actual depression
0: you have your own journey with this issue and then you settle on this you go you make the decision all right i'm gonna pitch this as a topic so now you have to dig and start finding stuff what was something that you didn't know like what illuminate me if you will on what were some of the things that you discovered as you start going down because you have to because when you're pitching a segment it's not just why it's important it's here's all of the potholes here's all the as I like to call it the goddamn like every story (laughs) that's in the field department we don't leave it's called you don't leave the building unless your story got it well goddamn I like
2: that I like that a lot
0: so what was in your research what, what did you find
1: uh it was a, there was a lot of goddams for real it's a lot of goddams <laughs> uh one was like when i when i was researching it was the amount of black therapists that actually existed it's one thing i it started I, when i went to go search for my own personal therapy i went to the church first but then when it came up to actually trying to find a culturally competent therapist i found out there's only four percent of a uh, 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 black therapist out here in america that's a and I how
2: many other motherfuckers is in texas
1: uh, I, <laughs> exactly uh, yeah exactly that's a great point ain't none of them uh the only black therapist in texas i know is was my D. D. jakes old, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the <brother>. potter's house <laughs> come on
2: <laughs> and sarita don't forget first lady sarita
1: yeah, no. Or listening to a Beyonce album. Those were the only yeah, things that was the only thing was <laughs> Those were the only things I got to cure cure my soul for a second. Right. But, uh, but uh, yeah, no, that was it was the amount of therapists. And I think I've, I've heard Taraji P. Henson in my research, finding out people like Taraji P. Henson and her, her son was also battling depression and she uh, realized when she was trying to find um, a, a therapist, a, a culturally competent therapist, like she used the words, it was like finding a unicorn. And it really, really is. And it's i think a lot of it has to do with one you know it's already hard for black people to get in any kind of medical profession any any kind of spaces uh that are like professional in that sense but uh to the stigma in our community it's not a you know what i'm saying it ain't it ain't some therapy is not something that's like widely talked about or like uh years prior i think it's becoming more acceptable but before Therapy was a punchline. That was some shit white people did. Like, we treat therapy like it's white claw or storming the Capitol. It's not, that's like
0: for white people.
2: So, like walking with no shoes on outside with your feet bare (laughs) in Miami during spring break. Right, khaki. You see, I used
0: to be barefoot in Mississippi. I grew out of it, but I mean, that's just more country living. That's a separate country. Yeah, I guess that's country.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There's white and there's country.
0: There's two different types of (laughs) (laughs) people. country you just out in the yard right yeah. there yeah. put you out running errands that's a, yes. that's a, that's a separate conversation x Ex- before i come to you lastly ashton talk to me a little bit about the black church and how you said you went to church first
1: yeah yeah so you yeah, go you sit it.
0: down with this pastor walk me through that that conversation because more often than not a lot of Black And I came up, we all, all three of us came up in some version of the black church experience. Mm -hmm. And they usually fast forward it to, you need Jesus. So what was the conversation like between you and your pastor? When you actually sit down and go, hey, man, something's wrong.
1: It was intense. Uh, He, he, he's, he brushed me off very, very heavily. And it actually made, having the, the past, first off, my mom sent me to the pastor. I told her, I was like, hey, mom. It took me out. It took a lot for me to call my mom because I don't want her to worry. She, you know, she's my mama. She loved me. But then I got to call her and tell her I have my I'm having these really, really negative thoughts. She got on the phone, got me a, a, a counseling with the pastor. I get in there and I tell him all my problems. I'm 23. I, I graduated two years ago and I'm struggling. I Once I lost my focus in school, I'm just out here. I'm struggling financially. I'm struggling. I'm, I'm, I'm just I don't know what i'm supposed to be doing i'm having this like deep existential crisis but after i told him that i graduated school he looked at me he was like you you graduated college
2: boy? you good what you what you what so i haven't horrific. even graduated man no, that's that's if that ain't like. the classic Pass the response. Boy, yeah. you got a bachelor's.
1: He, was, he literally looked, he like, I don't have I'm talking to you and I don't
2: got no kind of degree and you're here talking to me. So yeah, he like, I went to typing school. And that was that's it.
1: He was like, Man, I don't even know why I took this meeting. I was like, I uh I don't even I, I didn't know what to do. Like also, he's like he was hood as shit. It's just like I grew up third. If you ever in Houston, you know what third ward is, you know, you know, you know, I spawned for that, man. Yeah, you know what? You know how it is over there. And like, my I, uh, my pastor was just hood as shit. He was he like I, I tell this to people all the time. He's like one of the pastors that was like they go he in the middle of service he would just be admitting the crimes and shit. Like he'd just be like, we've all we've all murdered and stole out of our, our mama's purse. We've all uh, <laughs> you know, we we've, we've committed larceny, grand theft auto. We've burned down a building for the insurance policy. He'd be like, <laughs>
2: And here yeah. come yeah. and here come the police. You have a right to right. remain silent.
1: Yes. Period. So Bro, why are you playing? My pastor did get arrested. But yeah. <laughs> oh, my, we
0: got so many spinoffs we need to go beyond yeah, the I scenes know. on that. <laughs> right. Day. So X Ashton puts all of this research into a nice, beautiful document. And he's got mm-hmm. Taraji P in there and celebrities, the lack of black. Uh, Therapists, the inability of black people to even have the health care to pay for them, you know, mm-hmm. the church polluting the waters to a degree. How do you sift through? Well, first off, how did you become a part of this project? Let's start with that. And then 1B is how do you sift through all of these pieces to decide what puzzle to assemble?
2: So I got assigned the piece. So I, I never uh, really uh, pick anything. Um as a writer you do what you are told. God bless. A good and chef so- <laughs> can work with any ingredients. Hello. Hello. And I and I need to work with the ingredients so I get paid on Friday. God bless. <laughs> like, this is what's on the menu. Cook it. Period. I got you. So um so yes, yeah, so I was assigned this piece uh with myself and Devin Dela Quante, and I write mm-hmm. with Devin and Zach a lot, both of them. Um both like Italian the guys.
0: F- Fellow yeah. writers, yeah.
2: We wrote The State of Black Shit, me and Zach, for you, which was one of my favorite pieces. Um, So yeah, so that's how I got brought on to the project is I was assigned it. And then once I looked at it, because I'm born and raised in church, um, like I have such a connection to this piece, a lot of this stuff I've already laughed at and it's already like been fun to me. So for me, it was just like time to play. Um, And I had to make sure that some of the stuff wasn't too inside baseball as people say that's a term we use like within comedy and stuff because if it gets like too specific i want people to know i want people to get it especially white people because they are in power and have positions to change this shit so i need you to get it so i had to write the piece and stuff with Devin. and so once i got that they were like hey the issue is black people don't have access to therapy but what they do and they don't trust therapists right once they get there so many barriers to entry but what they do trust is god and the black church like it's it's helped us get through so much child slavery okay george bush so we was just like okay we're trying to help bring that to the forefront so i was like okay so we're trying to like bring these two worlds together so we just need we need we need pastor and we need mental health okay so we just have to like Fusing. Maybe that's one way we
1: could try and help solve this therapy crisis. We need to make therapy a little bit more like black church. And I think it would be pretty dope. I, I don't know. It's just really hard for me to let people in. And I feel like it's probably because every time I show affection, it just feels like weakness.
0: Uh-huh. Did y'all hear that? Did y'all hear what Brother Jabuki just said right here? Brother Jabuki said that he can't show affection because it feels like weakness. But before we can understand what hurt us, you got to understand who hurt us. Who hurt your brother Jabuki?
1: Oh, wow, wow. I I would probably say my my father. Because he was really emotionally distant. But then so was his father, which is probably where he got it from.
0: The sins of the father (laughs) passed down generation to generation and what will break this cycle other than a reflective analysis of the egos hold on your psyche so after the break i want to i want to talk a little bit more about what that experience was like for me because see y'all can have all that fun but at the end of the day i'm the one that's gonna get all the grief if we don't nail this issue the right way and I'm the one that's going to get all the grief if the church is mad at how we came at him. This is Beyond the Scenes. (laughs) We'll be right back. Now, X, when you all are writing this stuff, do you all ever consider at all, oh my God, will the correspondent even do this? Will Roy agree to wearing a cross and pretending to be a pastor? Or does the body of work of the correspondent inform you on what to do before you even start writing
2: the action. I'm gonna story. I'm gonna go with B. That my final answer. Uh that for me, I was just like, Roy's gonna do this shit. Roy is from Bama. Please. <laughs> he is gonna do this. He knows what it is. And also Roy knows I'm writing this. He know I ain't gonna say no shit that's gonna make him look fucking stupid. And I am a believer. Like I'm a I am I'm not confused. I, I love my Jesus. Okay. So I wasn't going to write anything also that would be demeaning, disrespectful, or dilute the power that we believe as Christians about God. So I wasn't going to write anything disrespectful. I wasn't going to have Roy be out here like looking crazy, uh Jabuki as well. So I, I wrote with that in mind um always, but I, I, I knew what she would do and wouldn't do. Because you're a black man, so I'm like, I'm not finna to have him looking crazy.
0: That was that was always my biggest concern with any issues that are like. So with stand up, I don't know if this is a mission statement or not, but with my comedy, the goal is to show black people that they're not alone in what they're going through, but mm-hmm. show everybody else what the hell is going on with black people. Mm-hmm. Like that's the period, point blank mandate for mm-hmm. especially with issues that are concerning black people because I'm not trying to make fun of the fact that so because let's be real a lot of black people go to church because they cannot afford therapy. Talk about and it. So talk about it. So within that so within that script I'm scanning it for where's the where would I get in trouble? Where would I get in trouble? Read the next line. Okay, I right, mm-hmm. feels funny. All right, you mm-hmm. know what? I think I'll add a pinky ring tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs>
2: You look good,
0: boy. You look good. You (laughs) buy it. You really did buy (laughs) it. The only thing I wanted, in addition to the, you know, for the people who haven't seen it, um, I'm in a ridiculously maroon red jacket. And I I look Mm -hmm. like a shady Atlantic City casino dealer. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And then I also have on way too much jewelry. Mm-hmm. You did, you did, <laughs> you did, you did. Like he was using that church collection money for something else. No, yeah, you look like only... David
2: Allen Greer and Martin. Remember when he was at? Yeah, <laughs> you did.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. I just it's it's just something that I'm very very mindful of. And you know, I came up in the church, and then that's the other thing. I still got to go back home. Like my mama's friends Come watched the Daily Show. Come on. And I don't want Miss Turk. Pulling me to the side at Thanksgiving, and I seen what you did. Me was that pastor. You didn't have to, blah 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 like that. Blah, blah. like, that's all. Miss Turk is always in it. Not my mom. My mom's friends. Those are the people that are in the back of my head
2: mm-hmm. when I'm
0: running my performance through a behavior filter. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, will Miss Turk approve of this? Because if Miss Turk yeah. don't approve, my mama gonna be mad because I done made Miss Turk upset. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that drama. So I, I had the crucifix on. I was just like, "Don't
1: touch it. Do whatever you do. Don't touch it. Don't <laughs> touch it. It's still comedy. It's just." Still- but <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's like one of the benefits now of having like so many like uh, we have a lot more black people. First off, us doing the piece. I, I grew up in. I watch late night. I'm a stand up comic. I I love. I w- I can't wait to be on late night. But late night is a white or it's a it's a white space it is like historically been a white space and so when we did that when we did that piece and it was uh, it's my first time at a, a, sh- a late night show late night job and seeing all these black people all these black employees all these people who uh, just it made them it made it feel so right and i the thing that i appreciated was you did have all these black minds in there who if something was wrong somebody would say something we, there's a safety mm-hmm. net of like yo that. Yo, let's not we let's not we're not trying to tap dance for white people on TV right now let's not try to play on more negative stereotypes so I think that was one of the coolest benefits of having of having so many uh, uh this black environment at our show because uh, it gives us some sort of like more minds to look at something and'd be like yo let's Let's, we wilding on that. Let's not do that.
2: Let's, let's. Well, that, that goes down to the importance of when we say diversity, it's often a specific black person that echoes whiteness, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why it's important to have all different types of black people, right? Mm-hmm. Because there are some black people who don't fuck with church. There are some black people who weren't born and raised with church. You had a black mm-hmm.
1: Christians.
2: You had, you had all I'm black Mormons. I'm Mormon. Mm-hmm. was
0: right <laughs> there too. Everybody, man. Yeah.
2: Everybody yeah. was in the building and it, it was great too, because I. I think why it worked is that we were not just making fun of church this Mm -hmm. was the 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 juxtaposition with the therapy with roy using these technical ass terms for mental health was just at at that balance with that oh my god it was it was so funny we self-actualize that's still my favorite (laughs) my favorite
0: (laughs) part i need to self-actualize you need to what self-actualize Self-actualize. 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 He's going to empower himself. Overcome his demons. Deal with his forgotten memories. Repression. Confront his dysfunctional avoidance of intimacy. He didn't go to prom.
1: He didn't go to prom. He didn't
0: go to prom. So the show is called Beyond the Scenes, and that's what we're going to do after the break, after we hear a quick word from the sponsors. We're going to talk about what's happening now today with black mental health and the things that are still contributing to a lot of the stresses that black people are going through and ways that you can get help yourself. We'll be right back. So we've been talking about black mental health as it relates to a segment that we dug into back in 2019, but I want to kind of come now to today and go beyond the segment and talk a little bit about, you know, where we are, you know, as a people when it comes to stress. Because 2020, that was having 10, 10, 10 ton gorillas put on your back. And then every month you get another gorilla.
2: Yes, it was executively <laughs> produced by the devil. Period. <laughs> <laughs>
0: How do we view this sketch now? Like when you when you have Rihanna Taylor and George Floyd and Ahmed Arbery and everything that was a lightning rod for a lot of what happened last summer. How do you view this sketch now in the context of that uprising? Part of me feels like we didn't go hard enough. Now I'm gonna let y'all continue. But it's like you thought it was an issue in 2019. Oh, no. But Ashton, I start with you. How do you
1: how do you view this? Uh, Well, me personally, I still, I'm very proud of what we did. I do, of course, with new revelations. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree. I wish we could have gone harder. I wish we could have really told you how dire the situation is. Cause yeah, we met, we joked around, we joked about it. We informed people, but the situation is dire. The the mental health of, especially after last year, it was a point in the summertime where it felt like every day I was waking up, checking my phone and there was a new dead black person on my phone. I just Mm -hmm. woke up saw another dead black person and it it got to me it was i I thought i literally i've never had this feeling in my life until last summer i thought i was next i was like oh Mm -hmm. as soon as i go outside i'm next i like legitimately went through the just a a whole brand new depression and i feel like it was a nationwide black depression after ahmaud arbery george floyd i i I do i agree i do wish i wish we kind of would have put more of like, this is a very dire situation and we need so many resources to help out black people in our mental health.
0: You don't have to go down this road if you don't want to, but I'm going to attempt to get you to talk about something that you don't talk about often. Mm -hmm. You don't tweet about often. You went out to a couple of protests last Mm -hmm. summer and you know, as a protester, you got, you know, some firsthand front row treatment, I'm not going to name cities. But you was out there and the police was out there too. And and what happened to a lot of protesters, whatever you want to imagine as a listener, happened to my man Ashton. So you come home, right? You come home from this protest. How do you, what did you do to deal, because this is more of a as as we all, especially black people, deal with the stresses of last year, and you don't have access to that type of stuff. And th- and and at this point, this protest when you was out there protesting, you know, all the therapists was just now figuring out Zoom. These motherfuckers didn't know how to unmute <laughs> themselves. Oh God! So it it wasn't a lot of good online therapy happening. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. What were some of your methods of being able to get through that valley during that time as a black person? Because I just think you've had an experience as a black person pre-pandemic and during the pandemic that's, I think, is one-to-one.
1: Yeah, no, uh, uh... I guess, yeah, I, can, I don't mind talking about it for sure. Uh, Is What happened was I went out to the protest. Uh, and as you could see throughout, if you paid attention to anything that happened in 2020, you know, police were turning up on protesters. Set, literally nonviolent protest became these violent, crazy interactions with the police. Little children, kids out there, they turn it up on kids. And I was, uh, I got, I got, I got hit hit in, by, on the head by a cop for just ter- for following their orders. They told us to turn around. As soon as I turned around, I got clocked on the top of my head, cracked my skull open, and I was uh, bleeding. And it was, you know, I'm a I'm still a comic. So, like, obviously, it was a very traumatic ex- experience. I'm still a comic. I saw a lot of funny in it. Like, when my head cracked open, the first thing I heard was this black girl on the phone. She was like, oh, Lord, they cracking niggas heads open. It's time to go. And I was like, "Oh, that's hilarious!" You I was can't. a sign that it was time to
0: go. She didn't
1: ask <laughs> if you was okay or nothing. Not at all. She was like, "They cracking niggas' heads open." I gotta go. And I, I was falling down. I was like, "That's, that's hilarious." And then I passed out. <laughs> but honestly, at the like the next couple weeks, it were pretty terrifying. I didn't the protests weren't stopping, and I I didn't want that to stop me from this moment from. From standing from, from standing up for what something that I thought was right, and I felt a fear. I felt a fear of like I don't want to. I don't want to go back out there, but I had I had to overcome it. And the things that got me through it, I, like like you said, I didn't have access to therapy. I uh, I wasn't even in therapy at the time uh, because I I should have been in therapy. But what got me through it was I think there's this new wave of people of of just people who understand self-care and the importance of like taking time for yourself you gotta you have to take time for your mental your mental health and I knew that being I'm surrounded by a great set of friends and a great set of people my surroundings made it a lot easier for me to get through that and I did a lot of like riding bikes through the parks I did a lot of things for self-care I did a lot of like meditation I did a lot of drinking water just taking I, I decided to take care of myself and uh and honestly, you know, part part of it's probably still compartmentalized. Part of it's probably I I don't think about it. I still have like my shirt. I still have all my I have I still have like all the items that were like very bloodied up uh just as a reminder, but most likely I probably haven't dealt with it the way I should have. I I kind of I kind of just thought I could just meditate it away. I thought I could just, you know, but I pro- I I probably do need to still talk about it and, and I, pro- I, I probably compartmentalized it and didn't healthily take care of it, especially as which is, you know, as someone who's like an advocate for people taking care of their mental health. You know, you know, uh, no one's perfect. Ain't nobody uh, you know, we're, we're, everyone's trying their best. Even I can I can say please take care of your mental health while uh I still got some work to do, you know. So
0: well, I'll say this, brother: the fact that you're aware of it at minimum puts you on first base of dealing with the issue. So, you know, you know, me and X got nothing but love for you, and that's that's why we're having this conversation is to help get other people to at least first base. X, uh, how do, how do you view this sketch now through the context of 2020? Do you? Do you feel like the sketch still stands up or is there a need for us to circle back? Do I need to go put on my pastor outfit
2: again? I was just about to say, I got, I'm about to email you the second part. It's a part two. <laughs> two. <laughs> yes. Um. Well, for me, I feel like the sketch holds up because it reflected the times back then had what was going on in 2020 was going on in 2019. We would have reflected the time. So I think we reflected the time that was, 2019 you know to be honest because the thing for me is just kind of like the the racism is always here (laughs) it's not here you know like we're, (laughs) we're not racist uh listeners but what what i'm saying is that if like i feel we went as hard as we we felt we needed to at that time like the people who were a part of this piece and myself and who was in it were very black you know like if there was ever a time that we felt like oh we we could have went harder uh I think we would have right so I I'm 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 very uh satisfied with the work that we did and I think we reflected the times that we were in um so yeah and I think you know I I, I echo Roy for you Ashton when I saw your post about it like I was like full of tears Um, because that's just, you know, like I have a little brother to where he was supposed to start learning how to drive last year. And I was like, no, the summer is too hot for you. Like we just cannot. So just even things about like him being able to drive a car, like it's always that conversation we have had to have, but he can't, I can't, you can't even learn how to drive right now. So just a a natural birthright for a young black man in America. It's like, no. Yeah, no.
1: no. Well, first off, I love y'all. Thank y'all, everybody. As soon as it happened, I didn't even. That's what I like. Really love, love working at our show. Doing it's not even. It's hard to even say work because as soon as it happened, everybody reached out to me. I was like, it's completely unexpected. I was only at Daily Show for like three months, mm-hmm. and or like like five months at that time. And like everybody reached out to me, and I was like, it, it blew me away. That I'm like, you want to talk about something that helped me get through it was the fact that I got to work for this. I work for this dope ass show that takes. My, they takes my experiences and able to allow allow me to put it on a bigger platform mm-hmm. and possibly relate to more people who've gone through this similar experience and inform people who who are blind or who have blinders on or who just don't know about what black people and minorities are really going through in this country. Like it's, I I'm I was I felt literally that was one of the most grateful feelings of no seeing how many people reached out to me and yeah. knowing that. What happened after that was, you know, we made, we got to make a piece on it. We got to talk about it. We got to talk about, go in uh, more in depth. And as soon as I feel like this piece, the black therapy piece that we're talking about right now, it kind of, it was one of the pieces that like sparked us open to talking about way more stuff in our community that needs to be talked about. And so I'm, that's why I was like, I'm, it's kind of, it's kind of hard for me to be like, feel sorry for myself. When I know I have like, I'm surrounded by great people. I have a great job where I get to express all these all this turmoil i get to it, I, it's kind of my therapy to be honest it's like where's my therapy mm-hmm. i know i need real therapy don't get it twisted i'm like you, know, you need Lexapro, my guy but
2: uh <laughs> still
1: being able to express in any kind of creative format is a form of therapy so and, and seeing my coworkers express like reach out to me that was that was one of the you know no, no not a high it, it's a highlight to a terrible situation but it, it you know made me feel great
2: well, I would challenge you, Austin. Ashton, too, when you said, I don't want to feel sorry for myself, I would challenge that language. Like, what you went through was a very traumatic, life-altering, emotional experience. Mm-hmm. So there is no, like, feeling sorry, quote-unquote, for yourself. Like, I think if you take as much necessary time as you need because we don't know who's listening and there could be black people out there listening that have gone through traumatic events, a level of violence with the police, with white people, whether it be Mm -hmm. verbal or emotional or physical. So it's not, I would challenge that language of you you saying, feel sorry for myself. Absolutely not. You are experiencing something life altering and you're doing a great job at it. Well, God.
1: X, I'm too black to blush. You're killing me. Over here. Yeah.
0: So everyone who just heard that uh, from X, uh, we need you all to Venmo us a copay because that was some, <laughs> that
2: was some
0: free therapy that she just gave you. <laughs> Let's give the people some resources, great- <laughs> man.
2: Yeah, that, I think that's
0: a great place to end on because we need to give recommendations on you know places that can aid in spreading more awareness around this issue. Um, mm-hmm.
1: Ashton, Ashton, you go first. What, what are some places people can go? Uh, well, for starters, I'll check out nationalcouncil.org. That is a great source, of a great place for resources for mental health in general, but specifically for culturally competent uh, uh, counselors and therapists. There are the uh, 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 what I learned in my resources my research was there are a lot more resources springing up for uh, minority communities like the there's an Iona therapy app it's based out in Los Angeles but there's an app it helps you find uh it, through a questionnaire it helps you find therapists that can help you out because you know that that are that understand where you're coming from culturally you know it's hard to go to a therapist and you're like well, like where do you want to unpack and you're like where do you want to start and it's like Black people we gotta start in slavery. Before we even get to ourselves, we gotta unpack shit for our ancestors and then we can get to mm. ourselves. So it, it's like You telling me ther- I
2: got to deal with Harriet Tubman
1: shit? Yeah, Harriet Tubman got she got you need to <laughs> yep, <she laughs> got we,
2: love, we, we love talking about our
1: ancestors. Your ancestors need therapy
2: too, all right? They need Hello. Therapy. Oh Jesus. I wish but, Harriet Tubman would pop up in my in she, my therapist room during my session. That's our next sketch. Hello. Right. Call do yeah, there's Ex- tons of people somewhere to go Therapy for Black Girls. Com, uh, because uh, Black women, Lord Jesus, what we've, oh my Lord, the mm. things we have to manage, my God, in the workplace, hallelujah. Um, and uh, ask Dr. Jess, one of my good friends, and she's also a licensed psychiatrist, beautiful Black woman from Alabama. Okay, Roy, oh. and uh, Tuskegee uh, alumni. And she, uh, she's she been on everything. She's been on CBS. She's been on Good Money in America. And she has something called Be Well Convo where she interviews black uh, artists. She interviewed Toby. She interviewed Swiss Beats. She's mm. uh, interviewed uh, Kirby, uh, the creator of... um. Damn, what's the name of that clothing line? Oh my God, it's so good and I love it. I'm so sorry, it's escaping me. But his name is Kirbydo on... Uh, Instagram but yeah she's in a lot of dope like tastemakers trailblazers artists who are all black and talks to them about the importance of mental health and also I know this may seem kind of like unorthodox but for me I really uh learn more about myself watching other people work out their shit so there is a show called couples therapy and I believe it's on HBO and it's an actual licensed uh a therapist and she's talking to these couples and so much stuff that they were going through i saw myself so many things was like eye-opening so i think different shows like that and it's not a reality show guys it's a docu-series like don't be watching love island talking about ex. said i could watch love island i could work out my daddy issues that didn't what the fuck i said okay and so i i think i think those three are because some people are not uh you know people that want to go to actual therapy you know black people we don't really trust so if, if you have to watch a television show to do that to kind of baby your step baby step your way in to like deal with your shit, then do what you need to do
0: well look i can't thank you all enough for taking a little bit of time out of your day to sit down and go beyond the scenes with me that's all the time we have for today and hopefully we've successfully Taking you beyond the scenes. I'm Roy Witt Jr., that's Ashton Womack, and that is X Mayo. That's the only name you get from her, because she's hiding from the government. Period! Mayo. (laughs) Thank you, Roy. Talk to you next time. Listen to The Daily Show Beyond the Scenes on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wanna go even further beyond the scenes? Check out the video version of Beyond the Scenes on The Daily Show's YouTube page.